Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixty Cents Podcast. I'm your host Lucas with Jonathan. And Jonathan, uh, we we got some Sixers stuff to talk about, huh? Yeah, we do. We got uh, a couple games that were happening, and we got the uh, trade deadline still looming. So why don't we jump right into it? Yeah, the first game here is sadly a a loss for the Sixers against the Atlanta Hawks. This was kind of a heartbreaker, despite it being a January game in the regular season. Sixers lost in overtime, one thirty five. I mean, one thirty nine to one thirty two. Tyrese Maxey fouled out in overtime. Sixers were without Joel Embiid and Robert Covington. So, Jonathan, let me ask you, what was the good in this game? Tyrese Maxey played really well, I thought. I We kind of talk about that a lot when Embiid's out. So, he's been stepping up. Sometimes he forces stuff. But I thought, all in all, he played really well. Uh, and Tobias played well, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. And I might leave that for you. But... I was impressed with Maxi. He put up 29 shots, so definitely getting his uh, usage up. But there's not really too many other people you want on the floor to be taking those shots. So I don't have a problem with that. What about you? I mean, yeah, Maxi's obviously one. You know, he had a near triple-double with uh, uh, nine assists and eight rebounds. Uh, Tobias had a double-double, 32 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Uh, but I'm going to give a shout-out to Marcus Morris. Despite being a negative 10 in the box score, he had 17 points in 26 minutes. Uh, shot three of eight from the three-point line. Pretty solid efficiency there. And besides that, only had 11 turnovers in the game. That's that's a win for the Sixers, for sure. Uh, that, yeah. that's, that I would say, you know, shot pretty good from the field overall as a team. Yeah, I thought they played well. I mean, I, I, if I'm going to go to the bad right here. I really only thought it was the overtime. I mean, they played pretty consistent and pretty good ball. Like you said, they were shooting not like nothing terrible shooting-wise. Took care of the ball, played good defense. I'm, or, I'm not good defense, but like 
comparatively to the Atlanta Hawks, it was even defense. And I thought, like, I didn't see anything screamingly bad. They just didn't play well in the overtime period, and, and that was kind of a tough loss to see. But what do you think the bad was? I mean, I think the defense, especially in the overtime look. I mean, you had three players on the Hawks that had at least 25 points. Uh, they don't have three players on that roster that should be having 25 points. Two, sure. Three, no. And that 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 was the real problem here. A uh, shout out to Jalen Johnson. Uh, even though he's not a Sixers player, uh, I, I remember him coming out of Duke. You know, he was supposed to be one of the guys, and he he didn't really start off his first two seasons really in the. He would played his G, in the G League pretty much all his first season, second season, barely rotation player. Now he's easily the third best player on the Hawks, and you know, arguably maybe a, the second best player. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, it depends on what happens after the trade deadline there for sure. Uh, yeah, so that I mean, the bad here is the defense. I mean, look, you're not going to expect Paul Reed or Batum or even Melton to really score that much, even though Melton, you expect a little bit more than 10, but 10 is reasonable. I mean, look, I mean, you got everything that you could have asked for scoring-wise from this team. We, we said they shot pretty well efficiently. I mean... What do you expect, Pat Bev, to save you? Just go off scoring or Mo Bamba? By the way, shout out to Mo Bamba. He he had a decent game: three blocks, five points, six rebounds. You know that's what you need from your third string center. Just a guy that can come in every once in a while and put up a big game. Kelly Oubre probably was like the lone sixer that probably disappointed here: seven points, eleven shots, three of eleven. I, I would say that that would be the other bad here. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah, player of the game, I would say for, for me here, I'm, I'm going to give it to Tobias because, you know, he didn't foul out, though he did not show up in overtime. See, that's a tough one because, like, nobody really showed up in overtime. But I'll give it to Tobias because 32-10 and 10 is not anything to sneeze at, and he did step up when the Sixers needed him to during regulation, and that, that's good enough for me. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going with Tobias. He – shot 30 he had 32 points on 24 shots he's an efficient player I, I repeat that pretty often 50 percent quality um and yeah he's getting up his shots without Embiid I was actually on the uh I don't know if you know the Philadelphia sports table podcast um, I've heard of it but yeah so I this guy Jeff Warren reached out to me so I uh I've talked to him before great guy and we talked about the Sixers and kind of what's going on and I was hyping up Tobias and this was last week and look Tobias puts on this performance, and we'll, we'll talk about the Kings' performance too. But he's uh he can do it when he needs to. Um, so I, I'm I'm a fan, and I appreciate his output. Whoa, whoa, so whoa. Can he always do it when he needs? Uh, that you know, that's a conversation later on. I'm not gonna. He's yeah. Well, okay, yeah. So let's get to the second game of the the week. Sixers played the Kings. This was a primetime national tele- televised game on Friday. Sixers won one twelve ninety three. Embiid still on the injury report, and actually Kelly Oubre set out this game with a toe injury, and the Sixers still beat one of the one of the better teams in the West. So, what were your thoughts? Why don't we start with the good on this game? I mean, the defense. Look, they held a king, high-powered Kings offense to 93 points. They shot 33 percent from the field and 21 percent from three-point line. Like, and they forced 18. Uh, no, sorry, 16 turnovers. Like, the Sixers did everything defensively they needed to do in this game, and they needed to win this game on defense because offensively the Sixers were without another key scorer here, without Oubre and Joel, you know, two of the top five scorers on the team. 
you're you're not going to win with offense. They won it with defense, and very happy to see that. Yeah, and I'd say the good for me, I, I was going to touch on defense, but you hit it right there. The fast start for the Sixers team was great. I mean, they put up, what, 60, 65 points, and they had a 19-point lead at the half. Like, they were playing great basketball early on, and that's the kind of team you want. We don't want the team who needs to have those close fourth quarters because, I don't know, in the past it hasn't always been great. So that was really good for me. What was the bad for you in this game, if any? I mean, if I'm nitpicking here, uh, I guess I would say Melton and Paul Reed. I mean, Paul Reed defensively was great. Offensively, not so much. Melton offensively, not so much. I mean, outside of that, I mean, Pat, you don't expect Pat Bev to score a lot, so I don't know why he's taking eight shots going two of eight. But, I mean, he did have seven assists, so you can't complain there. Best plus minus off the bench. I I mean, yeah, yeah. If I'm, if I'm nitpicking here, which I am, that, 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 that would be it. That's what you have to do, though, in these games. Like, I was going to say similarly nitpicking. I mean, it's those wing guards shooting percentages. And this was another thing I was talking about last week. The, um, like, the spacing. We all know it. The spacing when Embiid's not on the floor. These wing defenders who are wing shooters where Pat Bev and DeAnthony Melton, they can shoot if needed. But, like, they're not, they're not knockdown shooters that we can rely on all the time. But when you give them, like, an extra foot or two when everyone has so much attention towards Embiid – then you can kind of get a little more output, not a ton, but more than this. So I think we're just seeing that this maybe more four shots, less space on the floor when these guys are shooting. And and that's really all I chalk it up to. So hopefully we can get Embiid back to fix that. I mean, I guess the other nitpicky thing, six of 17 from the field for Max. He did shoot well from the three-point line, only four assists and three turnovers. He was still a plus 17, which was the second highest plus minus, but... I mean, if I'm nitpicking, they still won, and he was still pretty impactful defensively. Three steals, two blocks. But offensively, I don't know. Maxie's been struggling last couple of... Uh, it feels like... like look, We've said this before. Maxie without Joel is not as good as he can be with Joel. And, yeah, you know, that's not a knock. I mean, a lot of people would play better with a superstar like Joel. So, yeah. Yeah, so who's your player of the game here? Oof, I got to give it to Tobias, 37 points off, uh, you know, on 25 shots. Super efficient yet again, three steals, seven rebounds, plus 19, uh, highest in in the game for the Sixers here. So, yeah, that's that's what I want to say. I agree. I mean, 37 on 25, the efficiency. You brought it up last week saying that Maxi kind of looks sometimes like he forces offense when Embiid's out. And we've seen that. That's not like too much of a critique. He's a great player. But these two games, uh, the Kings and the Hawks, Tobias was seemed to be the number one offensive production and option, honestly. He was a lot more aggressive on offense, and we don't necessarily need him. And I, I know you said, can he do it? I don't know that he can do it all the time. We don't need him to do it, which is the key when Embiid's there. But even in those, like, maybe Tobias gets minutes with Embiid on the bench, like, he just needs to stay aggressive because we know he has offensive game. Uh, so, I, yeah, got to shout out Tobias. Yeah, for sure here. So let's go ahead and go to our next next subject here. And it's the trade trade deadline. Of course, it's February 8th. Now, we in the past, we talk about, you know, players that we were looking at here. But let's talk about players that we're willing to give up. Okay, so let's let's go with the untouchables first. Of course, Joel Maxey, 
or in that tier? Who else is quote unquote untouchable for you? Joe, I mean, untouchable, that word, I truly think it's just those two. I, okay. I think that's where the Warriors say, like, Steph Curry right now is the only untouchable. Like, that doesn't mean they want to trade anyone else, but that's the only person that they won't have the conversation. That's kind of where I am. What about you? Is there anyone else for you? No, I, I think that's fair. Let's talk about people that you, you would be willing to trade or you want to trade. Let's talk about the players first that you want to trade. Anybody on this roster tier that you want I mean, gone? No. So there's no one I absolutely want out the door because I said last week too, I don't think we need to bring too many people in, but I know, understand that there's definitely going to be some moves made. So I just hope they're not huge. So there's no one I really want to go. But if we're talking about like what kind of trade pieces I think other teams might want and that Daryl Morey might consider, I think the two at the top of the list are Tobias and Springer. And I don't I do not want to trade them. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I want to be clear. Okay. But Tobias okay. is, is a clearly a really good, really good starter, starter. And he's got the like he's got the expiring contract. So he's very enticing to other teams. And Springer's a young, young asset that we don't know too much about. I mean, we brought it up with Isaiah Joe. He's not like he's kind of thriving in OKC and we straight up cut him. So I think Nick Nurse is more of a developmental coach. And we'll see Springer get more development. But I think those are two assets that other teams might want. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, do you think there's anyone that you want out of here? Is it bad if I say uh, Pork Moss? No. That, okay. You know what? I didn't even think about that. That's fine. <laughs> I, I support that. I fully support that. Look, he's making $5 million. He doesn't want to be here. He's asked, how many trade requests are we on? Second or third one now? It's, I think it's the second one, right? He's yeah, probably well, gonna if have you ask the one. Harden one, I think it's three. He wanted to be included in that Clippers thing. Oh, you're right. He did. Yeah, he's uh, – yeah, get him out of here. Look, you could you compare him with Daniel House, who I'm, I'm okay with trading House to. Like, yeah, he does some fun stuff, but also he does he, – he's just – He's he always leaves you wanting more. So I'm I'm okay with House and Corkmaz being flipped into like I don't know so, something. It has to be something. I don't know. Yeah. It just and here's I wouldn't want to trade him, but if it means for an upgrade, I'm okay. Well, let's go to the players that we're okay with trade trading now. Okay, we're okay with them being traded. Okay. okay, we're not asking for them to be traded, but let's let's talk about the players we're okay with being traded. Okay, so you go first. I mean, probably um, Furkan definitely okay with that. I'm okay with yeah. House being traded. I think that he's kind of shown to have like a little more of a role with uh, Nurse here, but I'm okay with that. I'd also be okay if Paul Reed got traded. Now I know that might I'm be a little more. I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you said that. But continue. Okay, well, all right. I'm glad you support that because I think that he's a good player. I just think that what we thought when we were matching that offer with the Utah Jazz, we thought we'd get a little bit of better of production. I think he's pretty much plateaued from what he was last year. So I'm okay if the, if uh, he got traded too. You support that? Yeah, yeah. I Look, I'll talk about this in a second. I'll, I'll, are you done? Is there anybody else? No, go for it. Okay, so I agree with all the players that you said. I also add in one more i'll say roco as well as much as i love roco you know the nostalgia and everything but he's washed as an offensive player he defensively he's still great but like you need shooting he can't really shoot that consistently anymore 
So I'm I'm okay with putting him on. But let's talk about Paul Reed here. Let's let's talk about Mr. B-Ball Paul because I think, you know, when he first when he was playing with Doc, we all kind of felt bad because Doc wasn't playing him that much. But maybe Doc had a reason and maybe we're starting to see why, right? Because like yeah. you said he's plateaued. He's still the same knucklehead player that sometimes gets overzealous, doesn't have the greatest body control and can be bodied up by bigger centers. Like as great as he is in the space pace and space, big guys, like we saw it against the the Chicago Bulls, right? When Andre Drummond and that by the way is one of my top one uh, target as a as a trade deadline person if I'm the Sixers okay. as a backup center. Andre Drummond like just bodying him up. Like if you're getting bodied up by Andre Drummond, we got problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Like that that that's like look, Paul Reed is great for like 10 to 15 minutes. He's an ideal backup for a guy like Joel when he's playing, but we know that Joel's not always going to play. Right? We yeah. know that. And we're going to need a guy that can come in and play 24 to 28 minutes or even 30 minutes. And that's a guy like Andre Drummond. You can give you like starting caliber, you know, not great, but, you know, solid starting caliber play. And that can't that won't be bodied up by some of these bigger guys, because guess what? The NBA is starting to get big again. It's not just this mm-hmm. pace and space anymore. You got big guys coming back to the NBA. We got Brooke Lopez. I mean, Brooke Lopez has always been here, but you get what I'm saying. Like Brooke Lopez, Giannis, uh, Jokic, Anthony Davis. I'm sure yeah. there's other, others that I'm missing here, but like bigger guys, Jalen Duran. Uh, they're they're coming back, and you can't survive with Paul Reed as like getting as your starter, getting like 24 minutes against these starting bigs. So I'm okay if they decide to trade him. Plus, if you trade him for an expiring contract, that's even more salary cap space for next offseason. Though that should not be your mindset of why you trade him, though, to be clear. Yeah. You trade him because he, he needs to back him. Um, besides that, other players that I'm willing to trade, uh, I'm okay with them trading. I'll also add, and I know you, you won't agree on this, and I think this is going to be an interesting debate here. For the right player... I'd get rid of Tobias Harris. I, yeah, I just think, like, I support that in terms of a business decision. He's on a expiring contract, and other teams may want him, so he may be able to get a good contract back. I just don't want that because uh, I think he's playing well, and I think he's undervalued on this team. But, no, I, I, I completely understand it. Well, I, I don't – it's not just a business decision because if he, even if you bring back Tobias Harris – you're going to lose the cap hold of him because you're not going to bring him back for 39 mil, right? You're going to bring him back for maybe 20 to 25 mil, right? Maybe, right? So yeah. the real question is here now, like, but that that's not even the business. That's not even the main reason here is because we've seen it in the playoffs. How often does Tobias Harris actually show up in the playoffs offensively? Not not a whole bunch, and it wasn't. Yeah, he's been the most consistent player on their team in the past two postseasons. He's been the most consistent on both ends at, of the floor. At fifteen to sixteen points per game, though. Yes, I'm just saying. Like I, I want, and, and clear. I mean, besides these, there was a stretch of games where Joel missed earlier this season. 
that Tobias was a no-show, and we were calling him out on it, right? So I I want a third star that can do a little bit more. I want right, somebody that fair. I can I want somebody that I know they're gonna give me 20 points when Joel's out. They're gonna give me 20 to 25 points when Joel's out. I don't even need to worry about that, right? That's and fair. and is there a lot of great options? No. I, I let's let's run through them real quick. I don't like Pascal. I know we've been linked to him recently. I'm not a big fan of Pascal Siakam because I don't think he's a good fit. He's a much worse shooter. And I think he occupies similar spaces to Joel. I think that's a little redundancy there. I don't think that works. I don't think DeJounte Murray and uh, Tyrese Maxey work either. Right? Just the, yeah. the redundancy and ball dominance. Okay, you know, he's a Murray's an okay shooter. Plus, I don't think the Sixers are going to be the team pushing for him the most. I think that's the Lakers. Talk about that more later. I I hate to say this, but if you structure the roster correctly, you could make a Zach Levine pairing work. Now, is it my ideal fit? No, it is not. There's major concerns about that defensively. But since he came back, he's actually been putting in a lot of effort with the Bulls. They've gone 3-0. I believe, and unless they lost last, did they play last night and lose? I, I don't know. Um, but they've been pretty good with him back. He's putting in the effort defensively and rebounding and playmaking wise. Look, if you give me a Zach Levine who can be a third option that you don't really have to worry about too much, he can play make enough, but you really don't want him being your primary playmaker. If he can like try defensively, I'm not saying like be like an all-star level defender, but try and be like Maxi, where he's not a negative, but he's not a positive either. Th- then you, you have the defensive wings. You, you can put Ubre into the starting five with Nick Batum. That's Ubre's underrated defensively this season. I think that covers up the defensive woes. I mean, tell, tell me that I'm, tell me that I'm crazy. And this, this isn't making sense in my brain. No, it's okay. I, I I think that that makes sense. I'm just like really hopeful we don't rock the boat too much. I, I understand not rocking the boat, but I think without Joel, it's becoming clear that we don't have enough offense. We need more offense. That's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. That's, 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 that's my biggest thing. And like, and here's the thing. I think Levine, we know that he can play off the ball. And if he's in a winning situation, because he hasn't been a winning player, I think if he's in a winning situation, I think he'd be willing to take more of a backseat. You know, you probably see him averaging about 22 points per game with the Sixers then. That's fine with me, 20 to 22. Perfectly fine when Joel's in. That's just, that's my thought process. Do I love this deal? No. Did I have to talk myself into Zach Levine? Absolutely. Could I be completely wrong in a couple months? Absolutely. But this is where my brain is. Right. I hear it could work. I just don't want it. I, but, I get it. I get it. I'm not like thrilled about this idea either, to be clear. And I think even if you go after Zach Levine, you, you got to get some ancillary pieces. Like you got to get Andre Drummond in the trade. And here's the big deal. You might, if you can get Alex Caruso, Andre Drummond yes. and Zach Levine it, for like, because honestly it might cost you more picks to get Alex Caruso than it will get you Zach Levine right now. So you could be the Philadelphia Bulls. Pretty much. But like the best part of the Bulls, right? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know about the best part, the Zach Levine, but like I'm, I'm talking myself into it. Okay. All right. Well, you did. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you did bring up Joel Embiid. I think I get the trade piece. We're excited for the trade deadline. We're going to talk about it more. I mean, we have three weeks until it, and it's going to heat up. So let's just touch on the Joel Embiid news recently. Obviously, he's been out. I don't know about you, but to me, it's been a little more unexpected how long he's been out. It seems a little vague. I know there's a few reports out there of like what's going on, but he has currently missed 10 games. Um, and under the new, this is important because under the new NBA rules, if you want to be eligible for an NBA award, the max games you can miss are 17. So Joel Embiid is only allowed to miss seven more games if he wants to be eligible for retaining his MVP award, defending that. And that's coming into question. So first up, just what are your thoughts on this? And I guess also, how do you think Embiid might play this down the stretch? Like, is this a chance where maybe he wants to push at the end when he shouldn't, when we should be like, getting them healthy, ready for the playoffs. So I was watching the pregame last night with, uh, you know, the ESPN crew and Brian Windhorse of ESPN. We know Brian Windhorse. He has pretty well placed, uh, you know, sources. He said Joel Embiid is not worried about the MV- repeating as MVP. He's worried about getting the, getting a championship. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So he's, he's, he's playing the long game here. And I think that's a smart move. I mean, I mean, would it be cool for Joel to be back to back MVP? Absolutely. And would he be deserving based off the stats? Sure. But with this new stipulation in the NBA, you have to, you know, it, you know, games played does matter now. And if he doesn't get it, he doesn't get it as, as, and by the way, it doesn't just exclude him from MVP excludes him from all NBA too. Yeah. Which really stinks. Any, any award thing, yeah. Yeah, which really stinks. But if that means getting the Sixers championship because he's actually healthy in the postseason for once, then do it. Then do what you got to do. Because he's already gotten yeah. all the awards. Like, he's gotten first All-NBA. He's gotten made All-Defensive Team. He's made All-NBA. He's won an MVP. The only thing besides, like, the only quote-unquote regular season award that he's missing that he could qualify for is defensive player, right? But let's be real. He's probably not going to get that this year anyway. So it really just comes down to, you know, can the six, can he be healthy for the postseason? And I think that's based off of what Windhorse says. That's what he's focusing on. Yeah. Look, I hope so, too. I hope he like practice what's he what he preaches. Like, yes, he got the MVP award. He says this is the most important. I've heard people say that, too. It does seem like. 
he is more focused. Like you got the MVP. That's a great award, but you know, it's better that championship. That's what people are going to judge you on when your career's over and your contemporaries and Giannis and Jokic, they have one. So I hope he doesn't push it. Um, but it is interesting. We're already seeing this play out, this, uh, 65 game limit. Now, and I will say this, uh, according to reports, Nick Nurse expects Joel and play Joel B to play Monday in this next matchup. I forget who who are they playing Monday? They're playing against. Okay, uh, so well, that's my question. So they're playing yeah. the Rockets on Monday, but they have a back to back at home with the Nuggets on Tuesday, where he could have a great shot at Jokic. I'm really wanting to go to that game, but now I'm nervous. Like I didn't even know if he'd be back for Tuesday, and if the reports are that he might come back Monday, then it almost seems like you're not going to play him against Jokic on Tuesday, which I don't love that. So I mean, what are your thoughts on how they approach this comeback? I mean, I guess they kind of just go with if I'm Nick Nurse and I'm the coaching staff, tell Joel, Joel knows his body well enough by now. He and it doesn't seem like he's going to push himself. So if he says he can't go, he he won't go. And I yeah, I, we, I hope I want to see him against Jokic. I I think we all do because you know ever since that that game that Joel sat when we traveled to Denver last year, they were saying oh he was he was dodging this he wasn't about that smoke. He is tell me people aren't going to say tell me people aren't going to say he's ducking him again if he decides to come yeah. back and play the Rockets and sit out against that. I mean, look, and that's just something that we're going to have to deal with as a fan base. But we know the last time they matched up, who who owned that matchup? Who was it, John? Yeah. Joel okay. dominated him. OK, OK. So then I'm not worried about that. OK, you know, they can say what they want. But at the end of the day, in a one on one matchup. I think Joel has a slight edge when it's like one on one, but in terms of like team success, you know, right now it's it's the Nuggets, um, and the Sixers clearly need to make need to make some trades. But we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I'm not worried about. I would love to see it too. But at the end of the game, at, at the end of the day, I'd rather see us hoist a uh, you know Larry O'Brien trophy first. So that's that's just how I see it. All right. Well, let's go to the around the NBA. I know it was going to come to me, but I want you to go first because I got a few things that I'm going to bring up, and I want to see if you touch on any of them. Well, okay. First, we got to talk about the breaking news today. This, the the two worst, two of the three worst teams in the NBA made a trade. Trade, right? They yep. uh, the Detroit Pistons traded uh, who was a Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Liv- Livers. Who, by the way, Isaiah Livers, I kind of like his upside. He just needs to get on in a good situation. Uh, and two second round picks for two veterans in Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari. So what, let me ask you, what is your reaction to this? I mean, they're trying to not get the worst record in NBA history. Maybe it seems like, like they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to add a couple veterans to maybe push them and get a couple wins. I mean, I don't know. That's what it seems. That honestly is what it seems like because they are sure close to walking that line of nine and 73. What do you think? Well, I think it's more than just that. I think, yeah, I mean, Monty likes his vets. That's clear, but you're getting Mike Muscala who we we've seen in Philly. We know that he's kind of limited. He's probably like second string, maybe better third string uh, center. And and then you get Danilo Gallinari who has been playing backup center for the, the Wizards, whenever he has played, uh, you know, clearly a guy who started his career off as a small forward um, is really, you know, near the, the end there. So and, and the, so and this feels like so this is more than just getting that. You also get a salary dump because Marvin Bagley was on the books for 12 million next year. 
which was one of the they they made that uh, signing two off seasons ago. That was a terrible signing for twelve million a year for that guy. I mean, look, I like Marvin Bagley, but he's not worth that. Um, they get so they get the salary cap space. They also open up more minutes for James Wiseman because at the beginning of the season, Marvin Bagley was the backup center to Jalen Duran, not James Wiseman. But James Wiseman, I mean, we saw it against the, the Pistons' most recent matchup against the Sixers. He put he can he started to put up good numbers. They need, I think, they want to see more minutes for him. So I think they they opened up minutes for him in that regard. Now, and they had to give up two first round picks to get that salary. I mean, two second round picks. 2025 and 2026, I think. So that 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 was a little bit much, but you know, I mean, clearly the the Wizards are looking for a center uh, uh, answer at center because I like Daniel Gafford. I think I said last podcast I'd like him more as a backup. I think that's the case here, uh, and I think I think you know they'll probably try to see what James Wiseman has. I think it's pretty telling at 24 years old though. Now he's He's probably who he's going to be as a scoring backup center, which is fine, which is fine. Isaiah Livers might be a really nice steal in this trade, though, because he's he's a six, seven uh, forward. Uh, little, uh, you know, at times questionable th- three point shot, but he does have some interesting skills that I think could be good for the Wizards down the stretch, because honestly, they don't have a lot in terms of their future, because I don't think. Jordan Poole's really going to be a part of that now. He just looks so bad. Like, who, who, do they have a franchise cornerstone to really build on yet in Washington? I, I say not. I say I, not. No, I, no. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, your, your best player, probably the third best, third or fourth best player on most teams, right? Most other teams. Yeah. So they're, Washington's in, in no man's land. So I like the idea of tr- taking swings on young guys and getting to, Second round picks. That's 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 yeah yeah that's 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 my thoughts. Okay, what else um, you got for around the NBA? Uh, let's see what else do I got. I tease. I, I talked about Andre Drummond. I really I really think that that's a good option. I think Kelly Olynyk would be an also good backup center option for the Sixers here too. Besides that, though, I mean, okay, so I got to talk to you about something, and I know this should probably be its own section. But, you know, around, you know, ESPN were the pregame stuff. They were talking about, is Tyrese Maxey the best point guard in the NBA? I mean, in the Eastern Conference. I I don't don't, think so. I think it's arguable, but no, I I don't think so. I think Tyrese Halliburton probably was before his injury. Tyrese Halliburton, you know, obviously. But is Maxey even the second best? Because I think he's better than Dame at this point. I think Maxey's better than Dame. Even though Dame has more name recognition, it's, it's Maxi, right? But Okay, so then what you're going to – well, so this is what I saw in the fan vote. I don't know if that's what you're going to touch on for the All-Star. The two above him besides Dame and Tyrese are uh, Donovan Mitchell and Trey Young. And I think he's better – I think this year he's played better than both of them. I think it's close. I, I, but, was, I wasn't even going to say Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young. I was actually going to say the, play, the player behind him in the fan votes. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I think he's better than Jalen Brunson. I don't know that. I don't know. Jalen Brunson has performed at top peak in the playoffs. Jalen Brunson is the motor that makes the Knicks do what they do, and he's gotten even better now that he has more space in New York. 
and the stats are comparable. Like Maxie's yeah, I'm not shooter. saying he's bad. I'm just, and I'm not saying like I'm not trying to poo-poo on Maxie here. This is a Sixers podcast, and I love him. But at the end of the day, are we sure that he's the second best point guard in the East? I don't know that for sure. I yeah, guess I don't know. I, it's a, it's a tough call here. Um, also, the wizard, the Magic have slid recently in these standings. Have you noticed that? They're in the play-in now. Yep, I have. That was going to be one of my things. Okay, well, how about you take that away then, sir? All right. All right. You want anything else on around the NBA? Uh, I think I'm good, dude. I I mean, right, look. Well, uh, I mean, let me just poo-poo on the Grizzlies because you know I love to do that. Uh, um, what were you going to talk about it? No, go for it. I want to hear it. <laughs> you don't like me poo-pooing on the Grizzlies. Look, John Morant's out for the rest of the season with a lumbar tear. It, it is a lumbar tear, right? I think, I think so. so. Or, no, I think yeah. it's a rot- rotator cuff. It's a shoulder injury. Shoulder injury. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, Marcus Martin now is out for a long time because of a hand injury. So, like, what are the Grizzlies even doing here? These sellers trade somebody. Trade us Des- Desmond Bain, please. Thank you. That would be a yeah. oh gosh, could you imagine Desmond Bain on the Sixers? That'd be nice. That would be It'd nice. Be very, be very nice. All right. All anyway, right. Well, then okay. I'll take it from I'm, you. I'm, I'm done now. I'm done. I'm done poo-pooing on people. Okay. I'm going to touch on a lot of teams, but I'm going to go quick, so it's not going to be too long. But first, I was just going to say the Magic. Man, they are plummeting. They're in the play-in tournament, and I'm not going to be surprised if they miss that altogether. They, I don't know what's going on in Orlando. Um, also, staying in the East. I think you got to touch on the Pacers. They're nine and one in their last ten. Tyrese Halliburton's been out maybe three, two, three, four games, but um, he. I, I hope he comes back he comes soon. Back. I think the Pacers, like people were wondering, oh, they played really well in the in-season tournament, then they just struggled. But so did the Lakers. I think that there's like this like, the first year. People don't really know that there's like an in-season tournament hangover. I think the this might be the real Pacers. Like, they might actually just have bounced back, and they're a pretty good team. So, we'll see. Well, I mean, um, I mean, their offensive system allows them to play fast. And, it, it, and I mean, as long as you have good court vision, then you, you should be fine. Tyrese Halbert, I think, has a grade uh, two hamstring strain. Hamstring. So, I think I think it's a two to three week injury, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that, but it's he shouldn't be out too long. Okay. Um. I also just – last one in the East was the Celtics are 19-0 and 0 at home. That's great. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, they almost lost it. They, they, they almost lost it. Who did they almost re- lose to recently at home? I forget, but it was it was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, also the Spurs, um, they are still in the bottom, the dredges of the NBA. But uh, Weminyama had a triple-double in 21 minutes. That's just bonkers. Like he's he he's slowly picking up his uh, NBA feet, getting his feet wet. He's yeah. going to be good. And the thing is, they're finally playing him at center, which they should be. They, they they just need a point guard now. Honestly, they just need a point guard. Though they did finally yeah. start trying playing uh, starting Trey Jones. I saw that recently. I was like, oh, they actually started him. Surprise, surprise. Oh, there is one team in the West that I forgot that I wanted to talk about, but you finish up first, and then I'll, I'll close it out with them. All right. Well, yeah, the Grizzlies. Look, I'm I have been questionable about like all the John Morant stuff, but honestly, you got to feel bad for this guy. Like 
Oh, yeah, just the team. Like, he comes back. They actually look – they have a winning record. I think they won, like, their first four. Then they were, like, seven and four since he's been back. Then they get that news. And then the Marcus Smart, they're just getting beat down. Um, I wanted to touch wanted on to the Pelicans, Pelicans this week. They were, won three of their four games, uh, beating the Kings, Warriors, and Mavericks by a total of eight, like, eight, 79 points. They are just straight pounding teams. And I think they look really good when their three stars are playing. And on the – when you contrast that with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are still tied for first in the Western Conference, and I, yeah, first in the West, um, they've played like a 500 team. I think, like record-wise, they've played pretty much 500 over the last 10 games, and I think it's over the last three weeks. So I don't know if it's just a mid-season rut and they need to get to the All-Star break. Um, but yeah, it I, might it might be that it might be that teams are starting to figure them out now. Who knows? And the last thing I got to touch on, this is what I was hoping to spend a little bit more time on, the Utah Jazz. I said it last week. I said said they are coming. They they have won 14 of 18. 14 of 18. They beat the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Raptors, and the Lakers just in the past seven days. And those are all legit teams. They are currently the hottest team in the NBA, like 14 and four over that span. They finally just got above 500. They got a 21 and 20 record. They're sitting in the nine spot. Who knows? I mean, I don't think Phoenix, they're not healthy. They're nothing special. Dallas is so inconsistent. They could make, try to make a push for a top six. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm just th- saying that this turnaround has been shocking because, I mean, they were what? They were seven and 16. And now they're Something 21 like and 20. They are a real, they are real and they are beating real teams and uh, keep an eye on the jazz. Heard it here first. Yeah. Look, it's going to be interesting whether or not they trade up or not. I mean, if they, if they're a seller or a buyer at the trade deadline, I suspect they'll still be sellers despite this good success. You know, I think they're, they're not, not listening to anybody. I think they just gotta be, it has to be a good deal for them to make a trade. Uh, yeah, and going on the Timberwolves point, technically right now them they and OKC are tied for first. So yeah. if if Minnesota keeps on going, gosh, we would not hear the end of it if Chris is. Ah, oh, that's right. I forgot to tell you. I was talking to Chris. We were talking about possibly him coming on this weekend, uh, but I guess it kind of slipped from both mine and his head. Uh, yeah, we'll have to have Chris on soon. If if the Thunder gets first, I think we have to have him come on and just kind of do Chris things about the Thunder here. We'll yeah. we'll see for sure. Uh, that that being said, the team that I really wanted that I forgot to talk about earlier during my time was the Lakers. Look, oh, okay, go for it. We we got to talk about the Lakers. They're they're in eleventh spot right now. They're what a game a game behind Houston in the in the standings which doesn't make sense to me because they okay well anyway not the point here uh they they their offense is so horrendous their defense is not good enough to make up for the bad offense they have to make a trade which super superstar do you think is the best fit for them siakam uh dejounte murray zach levine demar Derozan, anybody else I mean, what do I think that they would do being dumb in this scenario is Zach Levine. Who do I think makes more sense? DeJounte Murray, because he's a clutch sport athlete. Um, I don't think 
that their problems are fixable this year, and I think Rob Polinka knows that, so he's hesitant. But who knows what kind of pressure LeBron puts on them? I, uh, who do you think? I, I think Dejounte Murray is the move that they're going to make. I think that's just a matter of time here. Technically, you can match the salaries already with just D'Angelo Russell, but they'll have to add more. Look, they're just they're missing. Look, the guys that they added in the summer, we thought were good, and they. I mean, granted, Gabe Vincent's been hurt, but, like, D'Angelo Russell just doesn't look like he cares about basketball anymore. Austin Reeves has Olympic hangover, or not Olympic, uh, what is it, FIBA hangover? Okay. Like, Rui's not looking like the Rui that was there. Same thing with, like, every guy that they traded for isn't as good as they were the first time that they played with LeBron. And I feel like this is a trend. With LeBron, and I'm not look. He's the second best player of all time. I'm not trying to disparage him, but it seems like every single year, even though they bring back essentially the same team, that team is not good enough anymore to compete. For whatever reason, they always have to make another trade. It always depletes the team of assets moving forward. It started with the Cavs. I mean, it started with the Heat. Really, it started with the Heat after like the first or second the the first championship. And, like, they, they gave up a lot, and then it's, it happened with the Cavs, and then it happened with, and it's been happening with the Lakers every ever since. Could you imagine the team right now if they still had, I mean, granted, if he was healthy, Lonzo Ball, Julius Randle, Kyle Kuzma, uh, yep. Josh Hart, like, would it wouldn't even be a question if it was a comparable team, right? I, no, it wasn't, bots. But then they traded all that for Anthony Davis. Fine, you won a championship, great. But then you traded Alex Crusoe. You tr- you know you let Alex Crusoe go. You you traded other stuff, and now you're out of trade assets essentially after this trade deadline. And it's just like, is is it ever enough for LeBron to work with what he has? No, of course not. not. But course not. I, dude, the one thing about the Lakers, that rant by the Toronto coach was one of the best I think I've heard in my life. Oh my gosh, that, he, that rant, that was the best. I love the accent that went with it too. He just tore the, I was just like. Dude, he straight up, he didn't, it wasn't even implicated. He straight up said that the, the league is like, wants the Lakers to win and wants them in the playoffs and is like gifting them games. Now tell me that is not what every single person thinks in the back of their mind. Like, and he publicly said it. That was wild. I loved it. And you know what? If you're going to find the refs, if you're going to find a coach for talking bad about the refs, you as a coach, you got to go out like that because that's exact. You got your money's worth for that. You got your money's he worth. He did. He if, got if, 25K. Uh, they could have yeah. gone. I thought they could have gone higher. I don't know if there's a rule in the CBA or something. But I, I'm assuming I thought so. it was going to be more. Th- I thought it was going to be more than 25K. He essentially implied that it is rigged. Like, I mean, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about one of the things that he said there real quick, because you brought up that rant and that was that rant was fantastic. It was probably the best coaches. I mean, like, how often do we hear a good coaches rant in the NBA? And that, I, I that haven't was, heard one that well in a long time. Exactly. So kudos to him. He's going to be etched in our hearts forever now just because of that. Um but let's talk about it. He said that, you know, Scotty Barnes is an all-star. He deserves to get all-star calls. Is Scotty Barnes an all-star in your opinion? Does he make the all-star no. team? Now, it should, it should be noted that the Raptors right now are 12th in the East, 15 and 24. Look, they, I don't think he makes the all-star. 
Yeah, I don't think he makes the all-star team. And if you want to, like, dissect the rant, like he said, like, Scotty Barnes will be the face of the league. Like, he said some questionable stuff. But, like, that's why I don't want to dive into the details. All in all, it's just a great rant. But, no, I don't really think Scotty Barnes is all this guy hyped him up to be. I think he was just trying to make his point. Yeah, I agree there for sure. He definitely was trying to make a point. I do like Scotty Barnes. They haven't done well. They've lost their last three games, but I'm not giving up on that trade right yet because I do like the fit of quickly next to them. I think, let me pull up the games from last night. Did they play last night? They the did Raptors? Not. No, they yeah. did not. Uh, yeah, no, look, it's just, by the way, the Atlanta Hawks lost to the Wizards last night. 127 to 99 after beating us like can we just say the hawks need to like i i think they just need to do full rebuild because i don't think you can win with trey young as your best player like i think that one season was just kind of luck when they beat us and then got to the eastern conference finals like i like have they been successful since then no so can you really win with trey young as your best player I do not think so. So do you trade Trey Young? I mean, they're going to trade DeJounte first. Let's be clear. They're not going to give up on Trey Young this season. But, like, in the offseason, is Trey Young going to be, like, the, the next name whispered? I think he should be talked about. I mean, there was obviously really heated when uh, – man, I can't believe I'm forgetting the guy's name. The previous coach was there. Like, it was clearly oh, that oh, there was Lloyd Trey Pierce. Young. Not, not, not Lloyd Pierce. Uh Oh, gosh. But when Quinn, uh, the point was, when Quinn Snyder came in, I think he was kind of more yeah. in the mindset of keeping him. But I think you floated out there. Yeah, like, okay, like, let's just brainstorm this real quick. If you're, if you, if Trey Young becomes available, what teams look at him? I mean, LA, New York. I guess not New York, but LA, uh, would you put him in San Antonio or do you want a true point guard? Ooh. Ooh, him and Victor. That is an interesting combo. That'd be a really fun pick and roll, for sure. But the question is, could he and Greg Popovich get along? I say Probably no. not. No. I say no. It's not a, no he's so, not a pop guy. No, he's not a pop guy. So you can't say that. What about uh, Utah? What about Houston or Utah? I was, just about to, I was just about to say that. Houston or Utah are two teams that I could see be in that that thing. Maybe the Pelicans if they fall short too. Because what about Van Vliet in Houston? I mean, you can play Van Vliet off the ball. He can play off the ball. The the the, the question there is defensively, but like you could trade you. I mean, to make the salaries match, you would have to trade Van Vliet to to the Hawks. Pretty sure. So okay. So Van Vliet would have to be a part of that trade. But and you know what? Actually, no, Houston's not going to do it. You know why? Because Ime Udoka do- doesn't like the diva type of guards. We know that because, you know, we Harden was they didn't Harden talked to himself out of going uh, to Houston pretty much. So I I don't see that. I I think I think Utah is an interesting fit. They they need a point guard. Like I uh, the Lakers obviously. You know, would Trey Young be willing to play more off the ball with LeBron James? Yet to be seen. Or, well, do they have any trade assets? If Minnesota could somehow swing it. Uh, that, yeah. I don't think they could swing it, though. That's that's the tricky part there, right? 
Miami, maybe. Maybe he's not really a heat culture type of guy, though. No, but they uh, could be interested if they keep losing out on guards. Brooklyn, if they get desperate, same thing with Chicago. No, no, Chicago's off the table. Kobe White has earned himself that that job there. It's but Brooklyn could be interesting. Uh, yeah. Brooklyn, if Washington and Detroit should not be interested <laughs> at all. So yeah, no, I, I would say probably Brooklyn and Utah, maybe the Houston Rockets, probably not. Yeah, that that that's that's where I'm at. Maybe the Spurs, if Trey Young can get attitude adjustment, who knows? Who knows? Anyway. Well, I think okay. we covered it pretty well. Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up, bud. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, we appreciate you, appreciate all of our listeners listening to the Sixers Sense podcast, taking the time. You can continue to listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google, Apple, Apple, Google Play. Um, and please go read our work over at the SixerSense.com. We got a lot of stuff obviously going up around the trade deadline just three weeks away. So hopefully not too many changes, but we will see. Daryl Morey will do something. We all know that. So thanks again for listening. And until next time, go Sixers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.